Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth, with each other, and with the divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. So my name is Adam Jamal. My background is in Arabic and Islamic studies, and I have a master's in education. I completed my studies overseas in England and in France and then in Egypt. Um, so that's where I did all my stuff. I got to know a mosque in in Redmond, Washington. It's the largest mosque in Washington. And so I joined them about 10 months ago. And about a month into my position there, um, Pastor Terry, he walked up to me and he introduced himself and someone introduced him to me and um, we got to know each other a little bit, and uh, a week later, he shoots me an email saying, hey, would you like to go to Holden Village? And I was like, okay, hold on a second. Let me just type that into my GPS, my Google Maps. Where's Holden Village? And it said, no route found. And I was just like, where does this random pastor want to take me? I ended up uh, I ended up taking him up on it because uh, he seemed like a very sincere, genuine person. So um, we arrived here, and it's it's been so welcoming. And you know, once you get out of the bus, there's people welcoming you and saying hi, and that's really awesome that they have that culture. And um, it was even my birthday one of the days, so um, everyone was singing my birthday in an opera voice because by request. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so we've been working together, and we put together an interfaith week here at Holden Village. Myself, Pastor Terry, and Rabbi Johanna. Um, we're all from the, I guess. Seattle, greater Seattle area, and um, basically the, the goal is to dispel stereotypes or misconceptions. Um, I think someone put it really well as we were hiking up our eight-mile hike. One person that we met on the way put it really well and said that it's, you know, you don't need to study other religions in a, in, in a bubble or in a box or in a, from just a book because they're living around you. So why not just invite them over and, and talk to them yourself so that you can give them a chance to speak for themselves. And I think I really appreciate being able to do that because you don't always get that chance because a lot of interactions today, they take place very briefly. You just see someone at the mall and you just kind of, or, or outside in the public and you, you don't really, you know, you don't know if they're Muslim or you don't know, you, you don't, you don't even notice usually. Unless like it's it's a it's a it's a woman wearing a scarf or something like that, um, it's very hard to tell. So you don't get to have that prolonged interaction. Or and I know most Americans, according to many studies, haven't met a Muslim. So um, as as Muslims, we try to whenever at least for me and my family, my my wife, and whenever we get a chance to meet others and to talk about our faith, we we definitely take take them up on it um, to do that because. We realize that we can be the the best representative, best representatives for our faith, 
um, and to, to dispel any misconceptions and misrepresentations of that. The other things we're doing here are also answering some really big, I guess, interfaith questions. Uh, the first one was, what is the meaning of life? So from each of our perspectives, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, as the three Abrahamic faiths and traditions, um, what, are, what are our perspectives on the meaning of life? That's a big question, and you can't solve it in an hour, but we, we tried our best to kind of take a stab at it and to give certain perspectives. Um, and then the second, the second session um, is about what, um, how we can live together, because there's you know, 2 billion Christians on this planet, and there's almost 2 billion Muslims on this planet, um, and many millions of Jews, so we definitely have to get along. Um, so it's important for us to learn about each other and know about each other. Um, there's there's a, there's a verse in the Quran um, that says that we that where God says we created you in nations and tribes so that you may know one another. So the fact that we have different cultures or different backgrounds, different ethnicities, um, what that's telling us is that. Part of that is on purpose from God so that we get to know each other. And um, so that's what we want to do here, I think. And um, the more we get to know each other, the more relaxed we can be. Because we're like, hey, you're not so bad after all. <laughs> you know, um, Like when I came here, I had certain, I was like, I had, there was a lot of unknowns in my mind in terms of how things worked. Uh, my wife was like, oh, what if it's too Christian? <laughs> not in a wrong way, but just in a, like, what if we don't fit in, you know? Um, whereas when we got here, we fit in incredibly well and we, and everyone was so welcoming and, uh, people say the same about our mosque when they come to our mosque, they're like, oh, we thought it was going to be, you know, we thought we wouldn't be able to fit in. Um, but it was an incredible experience and people were so welcoming. And so that, I think that's really important to, to do that and to have that welcoming culture. And, um, I think a lot of people have that, um, that hospitality and we just have to give them that chance, um, to show it to us, I suppose. Um. So that's something that I really enjoyed being here. And then I really, uh, my call to action to people listening, to people that come to Holden Village or don't come to Holden or haven't come or are yet to come um, is to visit a mosque, right? Um, there's a lot of mosques. I know they have their open houses or you can just walk in and 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 ask if you want to take a tour. For example, at our mosque, um, we, we always have tours going on and people just walking in and wanting to see the mosque and see what's going on and um, all the different aspects of it and how we worship and how um, the classrooms and the gym and the restaurant and all that. So people enjoy that experience. And I think that's really what it's about. It's, it's, it's sure we have our study groups and we have our um, kind of academic learning of what the faith teaches, but then you also, young people want to see their faith in action. They don't just want to see it in books. They, just, they don't just want to see it at church or in the mosque or in the synagogue. They want to see it out there in the world and they want to see people actually doing things. And so to see someone coming to a mosque and visiting, seeing a Muslim go to a synagogue or a church, um, I think that's really important. And and not not just young people, but old people as well. They want to be able to, when they see that, they, they really appreciate that and are encouraged by that. So I think everyone can take a, a lesson from my experience here and just coming to a new place, you know, where you weren't sure if you were going to fit in outside of your comfort zone to really just go out and do that, right? Meet new people. And so that would be, that would be my main message, I guess, for people, um, wh whoever's listening. And the other thing that for this week is uh, our impact on the world around us and the earth around us. 
Uh, in Islam, we, we, our perspective is that we believe that the earth is, and I'm sure it's very similar to what Christians and Jews believe as well, but that the earth is our responsibility and has been given to us as a blessing uh, for this short period of time that we're here. And um, we believe that God will judge us for the way that we treat our blessings, whether it is this world around us, whether it is our bodies, whether it is our our families or our friends or whatever it may be. And so that's that's something that we really believe in, that we're going to be we're responsible for whatever's around us. And um, God, us, God will hold us to account. And he'll ask us about how we earned our blessings and how we spent our blessings and so on. So as Muslims, we really believe that it's really important for us to, to, to take care of the environment and take care of the earth and take care of the blessings that he has given us. One of the verses I'm reminded of in the Quran is <clears throat> the Arabic. I can, I can read it. Is which means that the Arabic trans the translation English translation of that is that corruption spreads at land and in the sea because of what the hands of people earn. So what people do, it causes corruption in the in in the earth on the earth at land and, and in the sea. And we see that today where we see corporations that don't abide by regulations or by what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, we see huge oil spills uh, in the sea. We see uh, animals you know, being endangered or even extinct because of people irresponsibly farming or irresponsibly uh, logging and, and so on. And that's something that the Quran talks about. It talks about how this isn't this is something that's in the control of people, that if they they fished responsibly, if they farmed responsibly, if they you know they, they logged responsibly, all of those things, then this kind of corruption wouldn't happen. And so what we're seeing today in the world where kind of this endless or unlimited where, where, where capitalism has no limits or where corporate greed has no limits then you see the, the effect on the world around us and so putting limits on that uh, is really important and for everyone to, to, to kind of do some soul searching and, and think about what our place is on this earth and how to be more sustainable and I really appreciate that at Holden Village um, all the food is organic and it's locally sourced and, and all that so it's really, really awesome. First, I talked about the five pillars of Islam, which are the practices of Muslims that make up the main body of, of, of practices, basically. And so they, the first one is the declaration of faith. So simply declaring that there is no God but God and that Muhammad is his messenger, um, is, is the messenger of God. And the second pillar is prayer. So that is not a, not a supplication kind of prayer, but more of an actual physical movement prayer that we do. It's a very specific set of movements that we do five times a day. Um, um, I think Jewish tradition has a similar, or some, some Jewish denominations, they have a similar kind of prayer where they're bowing and, and things like that um, and reciting certain things. So that's what we do. We, we recite from the Quran and we bow and we also prostrate, which is putting your head on the ground um, to show that this mind that you value so much, you're submitting it to God. Um, and you're, 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 you're submitting it before God. Um, 
And so that's the second pillar. The third pillar is charity. So every Muslim is required or supposed to. Not everyone does, but not everyone prays five times a day. Not everyone does everything, but what what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to give two and a half percent of your savings, what your wealth is, outside of your home and your car and the things that you need on a daily basis. But your wealth, two and a half percent of that goes to charity every year. Um, so it's a wealth tax, essentially, mm-hmm. every year that go, that has to go to charity. And that's considered not even your money. It's considered the other person, the person you're giving to the needy. It's their money and you're just giving it over to them. You're getting it to them. And so that's how we see that. And the word for charity, in uh, this charity, this type of charity in Arabic is zakat. And literally it means to purify. So through this act of charity, you're purifying your wealth. Um, and so that's the third pillar. The fourth pillar is fasting. Um, we fast for an entire month, the month of Ramadan, which is uh, right now it's in the summer. It moves 10 days because it follows the lunar calendar. So it moves 10 days every year. Um, and it's basically a month where we fast from sunrise till sunset. So in Washington, that's incredibly long because I, I used to live in Texas. So it was about 16 hours um, in the summer, and in Washington, it's like 18 hours. <laughs> so it's pretty long, um, and it seems like a lot, but we abstain from food, uh, drink, even water, and, and intimate relations for that duration of time. Um, and it seems difficult, but honestly, after the first few days, you might have a headache a little bit, but after that, you adapt. Uh, and there are concessions for people that are sick or really old, and they, you know, just their health doesn't allow them to fast, or, pre- or pregnant women or nursing women then they don't have to fast and they can make up for it later through giving charity. Um, so if you miss a day of fasting, then you give a, you feed a, a poor person for a day. Uh, the, the, you give them their meals um, for a day and that's how you kind of make up for, for missing that if you're unable to fast. But if you can make up for it, then you can do that. And then the fifth pillar is the Hajj, which is the pilgrimage. Um, and actually that's going on um, right now, obviously, people might be listening at other times, but as we speak, while, while I'm here at Holden Village, the Hajj is going on right now, and that means that millions of people have made their way over to Mecca, which is in the Arabian Peninsula, and um, that is where Muhammad grew up, was born and raised, and um, we believe, Muslims, we believe that Abraham went to Mecca, and that is where he left his son, his baby Ishmael, and his mother, Hagar, um, they both were there in Mecca, in the Arabian Peninsula, and Abraham and his son Ishmael, when he was visiting him, they built a mosque there. And that mosque, we believe, was built by Abraham, and it's um, something that Muslims are required in once, once in their lifetime to go visit um, during this period, which is 10 days. It's a 10-day period every year. Um, and so people from all around the world Muslims from all around the world make that pilgrimage. And you don't have to make that pilgrimage if you're not financially able. able. Obviously, then you can't make it, or you're not physically able. Um, then, you, then you don't have to go. But otherwise, if you are able financially and physically and emotionally, mentally, whatever you want to call it, then you, then you have to go at least once in your lifetime. And so people really see that as very transformative um, when they go and do that. And there's a bunch of there's a bunch of rituals, but really it's it's also very beautiful because you see people from all backgrounds and ethnicities and races because Muslims are incredibly diverse. I think a lot of people think that Muslims are all Arab or Arabic speaking. Um, I'm not Arab. My, my parents are from Pakistan originally. Um, I was born in Houston. My wife was born in England. 
Uh, but our parents are originally Pakistani, and we didn't know Arabic growing up. Uh, we could read it. We could read the characters in the script, um, but we couldn't understand it. Um, I actually had to go and learn it myself. And only about 10% of Muslims actually understand Arabic, even though Arabic is very important because the Quran, our book, is originally in Arabic. Um, not everyone actually speaks that, that Arabic or, or understands that Arabic. And most Muslims are actually not Arab, so they're not Arabic speaking. They're Indonesian, actually. The largest Muslim population um, is in Indonesia, which is a Southeast Asian country and um, near Thailand and Malaysia and so on. And um, and then after that is, I think, Pakistan and India and Bangladesh. And there's a lot of Muslims in North Africa or in Africa itself. Um, actually, over, over half the French uh, soccer team that won at the World Cup, they were, over half of them were Muslim, African Muslims, who were immigrants. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so at our mosque, when we were watching, we had a World Cup viewing. About 100 people showed up for that. And we were all rooting for France because there was a bunch of Muslim people on the team. So that was kind of cool. Um, and um, so, so yeah, so I think people see Islam as this strange and foreign thing because it's started in the Middle East. But Christianity started in the Middle East as well. I think people forget, forget that, that that is the case, that Judaism and Christianity and Islam, they all started in the same place, in, in, in the Middle East, in the same region. And people forget that. So, I think um, I think we have a lot of more a lot more similarities. I know some of the questions were like, "Well, what are your differences?" Right, when we were having our sessions, and I think it's important to acknowledge the differences. Um, the main difference between Islam and Christianity being that we don't believe Jesus is the Son of God or that he that he is worshipped or prayed to, but we do honor him as a prophet of God, and we honor his mother, and he, him and his mother are mentioned in the Quran. There's a chapter of the Quran named after Mary. Um, so she's a very honored person and woman um, in the Quran. Um, and actually, Jesus is mentioned in the Quran more than Muhammad himself. Muhammad, a lot of times, is addressed in the second person. So you in the Quran, like God is talking to him to tell the people. Um, but his name is only mentioned four times. Whereas Jesus, Jesus' name is mentioned I think 20 something times so and Abraham's name is 80 something times and Moses is even more than that so um, there's a lot of similarities and we try to focus on the differences but there's so many commonalities thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village we hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden Blessings and peace to you.